0: This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Alex Pace, Russell Holcomb, Bryce Carpenter, Chris Fox, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. First off, Mary, I have to say, holy cow, and congratulations on your win at the Yeti this year.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Ryan. It was a fun. Um, I've run this race a few times and I was just glad to go back. It's one of my favorite races. Everybody's so awesome. So thank you. I appreciate that. Well,
0: yeah, it's it's the Yeti. It's Jason Green. There's hugs. People are nice. It's all encouraging. It's a great atmosphere uh, and a great course, too. It's something that, you know, yeah. it's, it's a different course because you kind of have to you have to realize that you have to find a way to not run yourself into the ground.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's I joke with people that I think the phrase I've used is that this course will break you off if you're if you don't respect it you know um you see people I've, I've heard people in years past say as i'm running beside them i just set a half marathon pr you know and you're like this is
0: gonna be a long day for
1: you <laughs> so, yeah it's not a course to set a half marathon pr that's for sure so, that's
0: when you almost yeah. want to say like listen you're doing it wrong i need you yeah. <laughs> I need you to set a, a, uh, a, a, a half marathon PW on the next right, right, half. That's a personal right. worst for the next yeah. one to, to, to balance things out yeah. a bit.
1: Yeah. And I'm a coach. So when I hear those things, I just want to start like, you know, going into like coach mode, <laughs> but I just usually just have to leave it alone. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Then bite your tongue. You're like mm, so many things I could say to you, but I don't want to cause I'm, yeah. I, you're not, yeah. you're not paying me money to coach. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: yeah. It was a fun yeah, it's definitely it's deceiving for sure, but um I love that about it because you can it's great for a first time hundred mm-hmm. miler and it's also great to really go out there and just throw down if you want. So how
0: do you tell your how do you approach it and how do you tell your athletes to approach a and I'm not gonna use the word easy one hundred because there's no such thing as an easy one hundred, but mm-hmm. a flatter. 100 because there are so many of those that are in the country now. You think of Hennepin, you think of Tunnel Hill, you think of Yeti. These are all not easy because if I think if you say an easy 100 miler, you sound like a massive douche. Like, yeah. an easy 100, yeah. you know, but like a yeah. flatter 100. How do you approach a race like that?
1: well a couple of things i wouldn't even say this is a flatter 100 i would say with the net just like the descent being at the beginning because it's essentially you know by the time you get to damascus you have run 10 to 12 miles down the mountain yeah and that's an entirely different thing too. Um, just your quads take a huge beating coming down that mountain and people just blow the doors off of it. And then they roll into Damascus around mile 17 or 18. And many times they've realized they've made a really, really horrible mistake. So um, I definitely try to, teach folks to go way slower than you think especially in the beginning Um, as you get around the midway point even 50k mark you can kind of start feeling out picking up your pace a little bit but absolutely always go way slower than you think you need to especially in a flat course but in this race for sure because that's going to show up and and bite you in the butt later absolutely
0: how do you get people to and how do you Live in a world where you have to really pull back because, you know, the excitement of Mm -hmm. the starting line, you've got these wonderful people there. And Jason Green gives a great speech. And when the energy is flowing and you're so excited and this is the culmination of months of training or years of training and you have to live in a world where, okay. if you run this, if you set a marathon, a half marathon PR, that's going to bite you later on. <laughs> how do you tell yourself and how do you, again, coach your athletes to really make sure you slow down?
1: Well, for me personally, um, I know this is kind of my mantra every year. There's an aid station at Taylor's Valley. I think it's around mile 10 on um, at Yeti. And there, you have to go up this really steep. Driveway to get to it. No one stops. People blow right through it, right? So, and at that point, sometimes you don't need aid, but um, I always make myself stop. Um, I walk up that hill I get I top off my bottles Uh, there's in this race it's good to do it because you're climbing a hill and you're using different muscles Mm -hmm. which is good because you've been running down the mountain the whole time so you get to use different muscles as you're going up this big steep driveway and then I jog back down I stop at that there's a little porta potty there I take my time and so those are things like I tell people take pictures you know make sure you're stopping at an aid station do all the things that you you know we we think we don't have time to do you absolutely have time to in the beginning of this race it's a hundred miles so take your time um don't blow off the things especially nutrition and, and hydration just like that's why i stopped to top everything off because you cannot make that up late in a race it's it's almost impossible. It's, it's impossible to make it up later if you don't do it early on so yeah.
0: i love that slow down go to every aid station why not yeah. give every aid station worker a high five? You've got the time yeah. to do that yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. and and take your time and take pictures and allow yourself to fully experience those mm-hmm. early miles and know yeah. that listen, you're not banking anything if we think no. we're ba-
1: and I mean like that's for me like you know I to run, to do i mean i consider myself a pretty quick i'm not like the fastest but i'm pretty quick but i'm stopping at these aid stations and talking to people and taking my time and you know what i mean so i just really that's that's my advice is just really enjoy it you know so
0: you say you're not fast but you ran the second fastest time a woman's ever ran this course in in 17 hours and six minutes and like one second <laughs> something like that you're yeah, gunning you're yeah. gunning you're gunning for under 176 you're like dang it 17601
1: i was gun- gunning for under 17 for sure but we can talk about that later but yeah i definitely uh it, i mean I, I had a really good day so i can't complain about it at all yeah so
0: you said earlier that you've done this race a couple of times and and correct me if mm-hmm. i'm wrong you ran it in 2021 and you you ran it you ran it about 40 minutes faster 30, 40 minutes faster this time than when you ran it in 2021. Yeah. And then you may have, and correct me if I'm wrong, you may have had the craziest Yeti experience in 2022. I remember Becca yeah. Joyner being on, sharing the blow by blow of the year that Yeti was basically- Yeti cane. Yeah, it, it was a hurricane. It was like in the middle of a hurricane and you, yeah. had, you had a branch- fall of a tree branch not just like a little tree branch like a heavy tree branch like fall on your head and knock you unconscious <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny my
1: uh twitter handle and an instagram handle is unlucky lady and it's i mean that's pretty much been the story of my life i think so it's very fitting that that happened to me but yeah um i don't know i think it was around mile like it was between 77 and 84 so i don't know it was somewhere around there and i was leading at, i was first female at that point and I don't know I woke up and um a person a a guy who was ahead of me at one point I passed him coming down the mountain and luckily I know him um he's from he lives in my hometown and he's a nurse and he happened to find me and you know I was knocked unconscious my head I was face down and the trail was just mud because it was just a torrential downpour winds were blowing Yeah, we had a hurricane blow in and um he found me and I we all kind of put together by the time he pulled me up i just remember looking up and seeing a headlamp in my face and he, he saying to me you know mary mary is that you his name's brad reed he's yeah. wonderful um i love him so much and he really helped get, get me up on my feet he was freezing and so i sent him on his way and another gentleman who was coming up the mountain brad and i were both going down the mountain and he was a guy was coming up the mountain and he walked me back to taylor's valley so that i could go get help and go to the hospital but yeah
0: it's crazy that is like you don't remember you don't remember a tree hitting you on the head you just remember at some point you're cruising along going i'm gonna win the yeti 100 in the rain this is gonna be great and the next thing you know you are face down in the mud Mm -hmm. and you turn around it could have
1: been it could have been so bad. I'm so lucky. When I went to the hospital, the you know, I, I really didn't wanna have scans or anything. Um, and the ER doctor was like, Look, the only way I'm gonna know if you have a broken neck or a brain bleed is we have to scan you. So sit down. You know, it was basically like this is you don't get to leave here. So I mean I it could have been very, very catastrophic and I was very
0: lucky. So. Yeah, so many things could have gone wrong. I would think that the process of here you are leading this race, a race that you ran the year before, took second mm-hmm. in. It's looking like you're going to win the darn thing, and the next thing you know, I mean, who would have thought? Like you could have, you could have sat <laughs> down. You're you're so unlucky. You could have sat down and imagined that race a hundred times. Like yeah, what could yeah. possibly go wrong? Yeah, nutrition. Yeah. You know, uh, training just wasn't there. Wasn't your yeah. the day. Yeah you never think in a million years that a tree branch is going to fall on your head and give you a concussion and knock you unconscious with like, and like 14 miles of like 15 miles to go. It's not like this was yeah. mile 30. You're at mile 85. I you know, know? And, and you have a, I know it's how did that feel after the scans were done coming to terms with the fact that you did not win Yeti, you didn't finish and it's not because of any reason other than mother nature and how could you have anticipated that to be in that position at that time when that tree fell it's 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 crazy
1: well i just had a whole lot of gratitude i approach every race that way i'm very lucky to get to do this it's i mean it's a gift um i've had a lot of hardship in my life and i just love racing it's just a big celebration to me so it wasn't, I wasn't devastated. And honestly, Becca Joyner winning was like my favorite thing ever. Cause mm-hmm. I adore her. She and I have like, we're kind of like homegirls at this race. We yeah. always would meet on the course, you know, we would yeah. find our spots and talk and I love her. And so, you know, when I finally got home from the hospital and kind of put on, all together and everything in perspective, it was great because I was just really happy that she won. I was over the moon that she won. I was very happy. And, you know, I mean, like I said, the day I was having an awesome day, so I couldn't really be upset about it, you know, and really and truly being at that race, like you said in the beginning, it's such a fun race. Um, it's just it's just such a great community that, mm. I mean, it was not a big deal. I, it was all fine to me.
0: So, Did you feel almost <laughs> bad for Becca in a way? Because I, she didn't want to win that way.
1: Like, <laughs> No, you could tell, like, I know she didn't want to win that way. But, boy, she deserved it. Because mm-hmm. you know what? And you guys talked about it on the race. That was a miserable – the second half of that race was miserable. And so, I mean – sometimes winning a race is about being the person that's left standing, you know, and that's how it is And that she was literally left standing when not the rest of us. I mean, you know, I got knocked out by mother nature and she, you know, didn't. And so she survived that race and it was awesome. So I was really happy for her. It was a tough day and a tough night.
0: It's almost like if you could have any finish, if you could have a, a, a finish of that race, that was not your day to have your friend, that you care yeah. for deeply, be able to, you know, crush it and 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 win. It's almost yeah. just as good.
1: Yeah, and she is so self-deprecating. I mean, I love whenever you talk to her because, like, she's never going to tell you how tough she is. But she's so tough, and I just adore her. And so she was back this year, which was so fun. And we took pictures together at the packet pickup, and it was just awesome to be with her. And seeing her out on the course, she, of course – you know, she didn't have the Yeti that she wanted, but she also had just run the Berlin Marathon and like, I don't know, like three or four days before that. You know, I mean, so she's just having the greatest time. And, you know, I was just glad to, to share the course with her again this year. So
0: you're absolutely right, though. When you interview Becca Joyner, she is never like that is the most anti it's almost like she's the anti Goggins. You know, yes. like, we're, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. let's spend an hour talking about just how lucky I am and how everything kind of fell into place. I'm not really tough. I don't know how this happened, but it just <laughs> yeah. kind of did.
1: Which is crazy because she is so, so tough. She's she is. so tough and so smart. Like she's just such a smart racer. And, you know, I just loved, like I said, every year we would kind of meet, we would meet around mile 50 or 60 on yeah. the course. And, you know, we would joke for a little bit and then go on and run our own races. But like, I loved it. Like, she's just so fun. And um she, I don't know that I'm, you know, I, I've said this was my last 100 miler, Um, but she keeps like trying to talk me into coming back just because like, you know, it's, she's, says that we should just run it together, and you know, but I don't know. We'll see. So
0: she's she's a lot of fun. I love her. So why are you saying this is your last hundred miler?
1: Well, I've, I mean, I've had a lot of health problems over the years. Um, I've had cancer a lot, and so hundred um, milers take a toll on your body um, in a lot of different ways. And so for me, um, it's been running and training and racing. They were always they're always They've always been ways for me to kind of um, not always, but as an adult after I was diagnosed, they they were ways that I could kind of um, not be Mary, the the sick person, you know, and so um, that served that purpose really, really well for me over, you know, The last many years. Um, and now I just don't even really feel like I need that part of me anymore. I still am going to race and I'll probably still do ultras, but I don't I don't think um the hundred mile distance is necessarily the safest thing for me anymore. I mean, like I said, I've had bouts with cancer and treatment alone causes a lot of damage to your body. And so um it's a decision I made just because Usually after every hundred miler, I have some kind of like health complication that kind of follows, and I don't know. I mean, I love the sport. I love watching my athletes race them. I think my health is a as a unique situation, so I would never tell other people that. But that's sort of my reasoning for my decision. So you know now i am going to enter the western states lottery so that's kind of the like you know but i'll probably won't ever get into that so but if i do i mean i probably would make an exception for that <laughs>
0: so you have health problems after the race and during the races when you have tree branches hit you, you really
1: I, know. I know i know i yeah, know yeah so
0: we can't just glance over that you talked about mm-hmm. someone who's been diagnosed with cancer multiple times how many times have you battled cancer
1: Um, so I've had brain cancer twice and I've had, um, lots of health complications as a result of the treatment, um, even currently. So, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, (laughs) I've had brain tumors since I was nine years old, um, and just multiple benign brain tumors. And then my first diagnosis was in 2005. And so. You know, I was a young cancer patient and the residual effect of years and years of treatment, um, you know, a lot of times people don't outlive the side effects from, you know, chemo and radiation and all these things. And um, I am, you know, living with a lot of that now. Um, And so I'm very healthy and active and so grateful for a body that can do the things that I um, am able to do but I also understand that my circumstances are different than a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Uh-huh. I would think having dealt with this since you were nine years old for probably a big chunk of your life, you did identify as Mary the sick girl.
1: Yeah. I wasn't always sick. It was funny. Like a lot of those tumors when I was a little kid, I don't think I even realized what that really meant like how none of my other friends had brain tumors you know i was i had my first surgery at duke to remove a brain tumor when i was 16. before that i was having them removed locally and you know just but i don't think i actually realized how rare that was because you know you're really only around your friends and my friends we didn't talk about it like it was just a thing and um that i kind of dealt with and then it wasn't until i was in college that it was sort of like oh yeah this is probably not normal you know i would have seizures and just things that aren't normal for most people so yeah yeah it was it was kind of a wild experience i guess like actually thinking about it but yeah
0: what does it say though about your community your group of friends that here Mm -hmm. you are mary you're just like oh this is normal everybody (laughs) is going to duke and having stuff pulled off their brain. This is just normal, <laughs> yeah. normal, normal. And that they didn't treat you as Mary yeah. the sick kid, as you know, they didn't, they didn't, you know, uh, soften everything around you, and just oh, it's why it's Mary the Mary the sick girl. And then to go to college and finally realize, like, wait, wait a minute, you guys aren't all having brain tumors. I'm yeah. the only one. I know. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I know I had a, I did, and this is, God love my little roommates
1: in college. I had a seizure Um, and, you know, they were just so scared as they should have been. They rightfully, they should have been. But to me, it was almost just like, Oh yeah, like this has happened before. And then i just realized how much it frightened them and i think that was really the realization to me of like oh they're scared about this like mm-hmm. this really isn't normal you know but growing up yeah i mean i also tell the story like i was a very chubby kid i was extremely active i don't you know i kind of grew out of that yeah. stage midway through high school but um i was a very chubby kid and those same kids that didn't give me a hard time about my brain tumors they also And this is beautiful like I was very lucky I was never made fun of and you know I think we think of kids as being like mean and you know very quick to tease I was so lucky because my friends never I mean not to my face no one ever made fun of me you know I just feel like I was pretty lucky to grow up in a really good group of kids so
0: do you know what's interesting I think when we hear the stories about kids being mean they stick with us because it's not usual it's outside the norm. Yeah, that's more. probably true. Yeah. You know, and the reason why we we you know, we, we it doesn't make the news, right? I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's the it's the horrible kids whose stories get shared and you never hear mm-hmm. about the kids who are just cuz kids are kind. Yeah. Overall more yeah, than they really, really were. Yeah, more often than not, kids are yeah. kind and loving and understanding and then they look at us adults and go like, "Wait a minute." You're yelling and screaming at each other over that stupid thing? Like, kids have mm-hmm. this incredible perspective. And it's almost like those stories of kids being horrible stick with us because it is not the norm.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was so, so lucky. And, you know, I had a group of girlfriends. I played basketball, my you know, from the time I was in kindergarten all through high school. And we were all just the best of friends. We still stay in touch. Like, I'm still friends with those people, which is awesome. And I don't know that that's extreme. I don't know how rare that is. Um, I feel like it's kind of rare. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm still really close with him, which is fun. So, yeah.
0: I would think, Mary, and, and you can share the story that ultra running for you must have been a way for you to almost prove what you could do you have this body that's and i'm using quotation fingers and nobody can see cuz it's it's audio broken right that yes. was, yeah. was 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 up, was attacking itself was constantly in a state of trying to destroy itself i mean really that's what cancer is in a way when you think about it and ultra running must have must have been some part of it. Must have been a way to prove to yourself you were stronger than those things, and to almost redefine what your body could do.
1: Yeah, it definitely. Um, I ran my first fifty miler um, right before I started um, some pretty aggressive treatment in 2011, and it. It definitely was because I wanted to do this thing before I thought I might not ever be able to. That was exactly the reason I did the first one. But then after that, I got through, um, kind of came through the other side. I actually used running through treatment. You know, it was a lot of my my therapy and my my own to my, to myself while I was going through treatment. And I I would I could only run like a mile at a time during much mm-hmm. of that. But for me, it was a way. And I think I said this earlier, but it was a way for me to be me i was still me i wasn't Mary, the, the cancer patient I, I read this beautiful article once about a, a skier who was a, a, she was paralyzed but she became um you know um a, a Olympian. so mm-hmm. she skied and she said that when she skied and this just resonated with me so much when she would crash it was the first time that she would always forget that she was paralyzed because all the same instincts kick in you know you don't you don't, you're not thinking about, oh, this body that's not the same as it used to be. You still try to get up in the same ways that you did before you were paralyzed. And so that really resonated to me because I forgot all the things that I, you know, the things that, you know, I was going through, um, just the pain and all the, the sickness. It just sort of seemed to go away. And so when I decided to start really racing ultras again, once I got to the other side of being sick, um, it definitely was that. And I just discovered I was pretty good at it. Um, And so I, it wasn't necessarily to prove that I could do it, but it was just almost like, I'm so grateful that I can do this. I'm not going to take this for granted. Mm -hmm. That was, that was kind of more of what I felt like that it was, I had this body that I, you know, now I know what it can really do. It's shown me what it can do. It's saved me. So now I'm really going to put it to work. So
0: it, it probably completely changed how you feel about your body.
1: It did. I, I, it's funny. Um, I think this is something that a lot of female runners, m- m- male runners as well, that struggle with like even like body dysmorphia and like eating disorders. And it's pretty prevalent in our sport. Um, and I, you know, I ran in college as well. And it was something that I struggled with as a young female, um, you know, but when I got sick and came out the other side of it, it was like that never even happened. Like, I was so grateful for this body. And um, I had such a respect for it that I needed to fuel it differently. But, I mean, because it had saved my life, you know, really? it had fought and gone through so many different things. And all of that stuff, the weight struggles, the, you know, the body composition fears and all that, it was gone. Now it was like, okay, I'm going to try to push myself to, you know, to my limits, And I just it seemed like that it almost like cured all of those insecurities. And I never expected anything like that.
0: So, yeah, for sure. You are so right about the pressure and how many women in the sport. And there's some men, too. But I think if we're being brutally honest, society is not nearly as hard on men as it is on on women. Mm -hmm. Nobody comments on my weight. And I've, I've fluctuated. I've been in really good shape where I'm thin and I'm just cut and I look great. And I've been doughy. No one comments on it. There's never yeah, a single yeah. Facebook post or Instagram post going, it's looking a little doughy or, or whatever, right? Yeah. But I remember when Candice Burt was doing her world record for, the, every, for, mm-hmm. for 50Ks, I th- there's a long a lot of time people be like, oh, she's getting a little thin. You know, people make comments uh-huh. – like would they have made that comment to you know, Timothy Olson when he the Pacific Crest Trail FKT? He was as thin as a rail when they finished. Nobody said a darn thing. Like would mm-hmm. would people have made a comment about that? And they absolutely wouldn't have. They would they wouldn't even th- no. th- they wouldn't even thought to do it. But for some reason, yeah. society feels like women you owe us to look perfect, and if you don't, we right. have the right to comment on it, which is the most yeah. ridiculous thing in the world when you think about it.
1: Yeah, it is, um, and that's something I struggle with my athletes about a lot of times because there is this inherent um, feeling that if you the lightest that you can be is the best for running the lighter you are the faster you are and to a certain degree that may be true but it's also you lose you sacrifice so many things you sacrifice power you sacrifice speed you sacrifice you know strength for all these things and so that is a con is a constant battle with many of my athletes we're talking about you know fueling appropriately not fueling for the scale which you know if you're an ultra runner if you start cutting calories, those are the times that those injuries start stacking up. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big, it's something that, um, I have that conversation pretty much on the daily basis with my female athletes for sure.
0: Right. Making sure you're fueling for what you want to do, not what society mm-hmm. tells you you need to look like.
1: Just- yeah. And it goes back to what you just said, like about me having a new respect for my body, like. I can put that in perspective to you know these female athletes you know like your body will do for you things that you never imagined if you respect it and appreciate it but when we start punishing it you know those are the times that your body's going to start to break down so it's not even so much it's more about teaching them to really love and respect the body that they have so because that's what i did
0: i love how you talked about how this body saved you because for me, like, just thinking about your story and you were talking about in and out of the hospital since you were nine years old and having you go to Duke. You know, most people go to Duke to watch a ball game. You're going to Duke to get a, <laughs> something pulled out of your brain. Yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to do that, too. I love to Duke basketball. But, yeah. Right. So. <laughs> but no, I mean, just for me, I was you processing, like, what would I think if I was living Mary Kate's life and I was having to deal with the reality of that existence? It's almost like I'd blame my body. Like, why are you trying to kill me? What did I ever do to you? What the hell's going on? I love this thing you said about, no, this is the thing that's, saved, that's tried to save you. This body has saved you from mm-hmm. the, the, the unknown. The positive yeah. way you've looked at it is beautiful. Yeah, I don't...
1: I don't want to make it like seem so Pollyanna like I never had doubts or struggles. I mean, I definitely had some dark times, but, um, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was given a second chance and, you know, and I, I'm, that's how I really approach everything, to be mm-hmm. honest. That's what I said. How I was just so grateful to be out there, even though I got knocked in the head with a tree. Like that day before that was was amazing. Every time I line up to race, like it's, I feel like it's such a gift. Um, that's one of the things that being sick really taught me. Is I mean, it my whole life is a gift and so you know everything i do i try to approach it with just love and i'm very i'm so lucky and so running and racing it's all just like yeah. like what kind of crazy world is this that we're i, I ran I run hundred mile races. That's insanity. Yeah, Yeah. and bodies don't—they're really not supposed to do that anyway. You know, let alone me. So it's just a gift. I mean, it all is.
0: I'm glad you brought up the moments of of darkness because you're right. Everyone always glosses over those. Those never make the podcast. The producers, which I don't have, (laughs) always edit those out. So it's just the sunshine and rainbows. And I think for people to listen to sunshine and rainbows all the time. When you're not sunshines and rainbow all the time, you go like, well, I must be doing something wrong or I'm failing. And I think it kind of downplays the reality of the work needed to have that mindset that you have. Right. Like Mary, nine times out of 10, nine days out of 10 is like, yes, this body saved me. This is great. I love running. But, you know, you've got those days. and You're like, what the heck? You know, you, you, you live in that in that darkness and that fear and just. The strength to realize that that bad day doesn't wipe out the good days or redefine the good days, I think is a great motivator for people that are just trying to make a change and go like, listen, you're going to have crappy days and you're going to fail, but your failure does not wipe out the successes you've had. The, the, The three days of success do not get wiped out by the one day of failure.
1: No, and I mean, I think, I think you're right. I, I, you know, I even currently, I mean, like I, I mentioned in the beginning, like um, I have a lot of just health problems as a result of years and years of treatment. Yeah. And when those things come up, you know, when I you know have a lab test that comes back that shows that something else is wrong, you know, there's a day where I I'm irritated and and, and annoyed, but. I think honestly, ultra running has helped with that and life has helped with ultra running and that basically you just have to regroup like your whole, I mean, if you've ever run an ultra marathon, you know, the plan that you put in place is never what the day ends up looking like you know so we always just have to problem solve our way to the end of the race and that's kind of what it feels like in my life is i'm just kind of always pivoting you know this thing i thought my life was going to look like It looks very different now and that's okay i just have had to pivot the whole way and that's just like a race so yeah,
0: yeah you're so right it's like you always take comfort in the lessons that ultra running can teach us in our regular lives is no matter how bad something is, it's going to get better. Because how many times have you been in a situation where like, I can't possibly run another step? I'll have to to walk this in the whole way. And so you walk to the next aid station, something grabs your attention, you eat food, you take a break, you just get reset, and then the next thing you know, you're running again, which you thought you could never do. Like, how am I going to make this work? And knowing that sometimes you have to regroup and and make it work.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you have to approach every race that way. I feel like I kind of approach every day that way. Um, I, I don't know. I I'm a very like, because I've had <laughs> brain cancer, my memory is terrible. Like it's, there's so many things about me, personally that's just laughable like my memory is really bad my vision is not great like there's just a lot of little things that aren't great but you know humor is really kind of the way I cope with it like you know I just have to laugh at it there's nothing I could do about it so I'm just kind of you know do the best I can regroup, so pro- solve the problem right at the moment. And then I'm probably going to forget about it anyway. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because my memory is so bad that it doesn't really even matter, you know. So, you know, that's a, I mean, that's the beauty of having this is I'm going to forget about it, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying is the benefit that multiple bouts of brain cancer has given your ultra running is you don't even remember what five minutes ago you're like, oh, uh, yeah. was I feeling bad? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, like I mean, it's that's kind of true. So it's, it's pretty,
1: <laughs> I guess I'm, I guess I'm really lucky, you know. That's so
0: like, listen, Mary's hundred uh, mile training plan. If you want to run a seventeen hour hundred miler. You need brain cancer eight or nine times so you forget everything and you have no idea what's going on. You're like, what mile is this? I feel great. Did we just start? Yeah 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 no i wouldn't recommend that plan exactly
1: <laughs> but yeah yeah <laughs> if so, it has happened it doesn't mean you can't run them i'll just right. say that okay but.
0: gotcha. you um <laughs> you said when we talked to earlier about um the tree falling on you and they, they took you to the hospital and they wanted to scan you and you weren't yeah. into the scans it's funny because i was trying because yeah. that was before you mentioned all of this and i was like what was yeah. the deal with this? It makes perfect sense. Now, of course, you did not want to get scanned again, because every time you get scanned, you get bad news.
1: I know. I Well, and it's funny because I um, I had this benign brain tumor. And I mean, so a little backstory, Yeti was not a race I would have probably normally done. I normally do, you know, like Grindstone yeah. and um, like Pine to Palm and just these mountain races but I had a brain tumor that was affecting my peripheral vision. And so I, I, I was, my balance was off and I couldn't see on technical trails specifically in the dark. And it, that has gotten better. And luckily that brain tumor is now gone through treatments and all these different things. But, um, but so I decided I wanted to run Yeti because I felt like I, wasn't, I wouldn't have to worry about the technicality of trails. And just so happens when I ran it the first time I just fell in love with the community and it was awesome. So, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, having all of that and having, I, I actually thought to myself, this doctor's going to do this scan, and he's going to see that brain tumor, and he's going to say, uh, you know you have a brain tumor? Right. <laughs> no, no,
0: like, right. Yeah,
1: actually, I do know that, yeah. Get
0: out of town. <laughs> Wait, really? You're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: yeah. like the tr- you didn't have a tree You have a brain tumor. Like, no, no, I know that's there. I know that's there. <laughs>
0: right. It's, you always want to say like to the doctor, like, spoiler alert, there's a tumor in there. Not looking at that. <laughs> we're looking at other parts yeah. of the brain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. to to see what's going on did you ever let jason green in on kind of your reason for running yeti and and your struggles yeah
1: yeah yeah he i mean i mentioned it a few times and then i've just told him over the years what the race has meant to me for sure and i'm from the upper Upper east tennessee so the tri-cities area which is right around um like the southwest virginia area and so all of that just felt like home to me anyway because i used to be on the creeper as a kid my whole you know i loved it so that race was super special to me it just wasn't a race that i ever really thought necessarily i had to race and then when i went i fell in love with it and then just kind of got hooked on it so
0: yeah, taking second yeah. place the first time you ran it, and then.
1: Well, and Amy Hamilton won that year. Yes. I think I actually even messaged you when she won and said, "You got to get this chick on your show. She's amazing." And I did. Um, yeah, but and she, she was a great
0: interview. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, she so, really. Yeah. She was one of my one of my favorites. It seems like the, yeah. the 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 gals who win Yeti always turn out to be some of <laughs> my favorite interviews of the year. I don't know why that is. Uh, oh, it Just it just turns out that way. So coming back to this year. Mm -hmm. so was it just a was there ever any moment of thought about okay I need to recapture that moment I need a little bit of vengeance on the course this is I need to finish this darn thing and I need to run this hard I'm not gonna let a tree branch take my race again this year
1: yeah absolutely like I'm a very I'm I'm a sweetheart but man I'm a competitor at heart so I absolutely wanted to win this race this year Um, I trained super hard I just really wanted um to just kind of go and put that to bed mm-hmm. i felt like i was capable of it um last year when the tree fell i was on my way to win it i was really fit this year but i feel like i'm fitter this year than i've been in i don't know like probably a decade and so i just knew if the day went like it should now nobody I, you know i always feel like i don't i'm not owed anything i don't deserve anything right. but um i really wanted to go out there and and be a what i would say a worthy competitor to try to win that race so yeah i definitely went into it with that mindset
0: what did you change about your training this year that put you in a position to be in such great shape
1: um just kind of an overall a different approach overall my volume dropped a little bit um and i just really focused more on good quality um Speed work. So uh, I still ran long miles, but I'm a pretty fast runner. I love running fast. I actually still love like short, fast stuff, which I probably want to do a little bit more of. And so my training kind of focused more on my strength, which is that. And so, and I'm, you know, I'm a really good, strong climber. And so this year, in years past i always joke that the race starts in all 60 for me at yeti because on the back the climb back up to white top that's when i really do really well yeah and so um this year i just started that a little sooner so um but i you know i'm i really focused on doing a ton of good strong hill work and just really try to get as fast as i could so and you know it seemed to pay off
0: it's so interesting to say a re- reduction in volume yeah, I hear that yeah. over and over and over and over again. It's so funny that early on in the sport, it almost was this volume, the quest for, for great volume, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you had Anton Kaprichka, who will tell you now he was an idiot for doing this, running 250 yeah. mile weeks and 225 mile weeks. And it was like, that's insane. He was, he'll even tell you that, like, I never should have done that. Um, mm-hmm. But I hear more and more and more and I know Camille will yell this said from the top of the mm-hmm. of the mountaintop as well. Yeah, reduction in volume, which sounds counterintuitive. You would think that if you're going to run a faster 100 miler, you need to run more miles. But I, I think we're we're getting to this this space now where quality is dominating quantity. Mm-hmm.
1: It definitely is, and every person is different. Mm-hmm. But I would say I'm 43. I'm not a kid. Um, my body. There are things I, I don't recover the same way that I used to. Um, but you know, I I think that you you can do now. There are outliers everywhere, right. always. Yeah. Um, But you can't do extreme amounts of volume and extreme amounts of intensity at the same time. It's really. It's not uh, it's just not going to work. The body's going to have kind of a breaking point. And for me, um, in, you know, while I've had great races there and while I've had great races in the past, there was just something about kind of lining up to the start line, finishing or feeling a little tired, just a little too tired. And I knew I was ready and fit, but, um, and this year that was the, that was the thing I, There was a noticeable difference i didn't feel this fatigue that i felt from this super high volume and i felt sharp and and fast and snappy as well that's the kind of the term i would use for how i felt and it seemed to pay off so i really had a good day out there
0: so almost the intensity replaced the volume you were doing less miles more intense than you were doing more miles less intense
1: and my volume's still high. I mean, I ran, so I would say I had like 85-mile weeks as opposed mm-hmm. to 100-mile weeks. Right. You know, and I didn't do 100-mile weeks all the time, but I had them in the past. And now I had about 80 to 85 was like my peak. Yeah. But for most, for a lot of it, it was about 70 to 80 miles a week. So, yeah.
0: Wow. So, you arrive at the start line. You're like, dang it. Yeah. Jason, did you go ahead and cut all those dead tree branches down? So don't have to worry about that this time around. Yeah. No, no,
1: I saw him at Packet Pickup, and I joked with him that I almost brought a helmet, but I decided
0: not to. He (laughs) laughed. Weather was good this year, by the way. It was,
1: it was perfect. I don't think I've we could have asked for a better day. Yeah, it was perfect
0: because it was. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. not too terribly hot. Because that's the thing. Anytime you race in September in the South, late September could be. 90 degrees with 100 humidity or it could be 60 degrees and cloudy or it could be a tropical storm a hurricane. right a hurricane <laughs> so yeah, exactly. it, it, it's, it's quite unexpected but you got a great weather year this year mm-hmm. at yeti with temperatures that were not too terribly hot i mean it probably could have been a little cloudier. i'm sure there's some spots out there that are exposed that you're like could a cloud come out
1: no it was actually perfect i mean i loved it i did stay hot all day um even you know you have to take a jacket to white top at at night it's a requirement just because you never know what's gonna happen up there but um i just tied it around my waist i was burning up all day so um but yeah it was actually perfect weather so i couldn't complain
0: how did the day go for you
1: it went kind of like a dream uh it feels like it all just happened so fast, you know, when you have those races that everything goes right. And it just kind of, it, you just feel like it's not even real. Like it literally is a dream. And I was just zipping in and out of aid stations. My body felt great. You know, I was catching folks on the course and it was really, really good. And I know that when you get on Yeti, you run down the mountain, then you run to Abingdon, you turn around, you run all the way back up the mountain and then back to Abingdon. But on the turn of the first turnaround in Abingdon, on the way back, you really kind of get to see where you are and where everybody else is. And that's when you kind of start to see the wheels falling off of folks. And so that's sort of when I knew, okay, my day is going pretty good. Um, I kind of had an understanding of I'm, I'm feeling good. This is where I need to kind of push. So I didn't really push until I got back to Damascus, which is about mile 48. And then I was like, I, you know, I need to go. But the second place female, she was, I'd passed her, but she was pretty close to me. And she ran into the Damascus aid station as I was leaving. And I just had like this moment where I said to myself, okay. And I think I used some expletives to myself too. But (laughs) I was like, this is what you came to do. Now go race. And I just took off and it was a great day. So I had a really fun day. Everything went great until It didn't which everyone has those moments and um at about mile 91 in that race my stomach just uh you know it it wasn't good um (laughs) but i'll just
0: save all the details (laughs) that's why people tune in they want to hear this stuff mary (laughs) let's just say
1: i would feel really bad for folks who were on the creeper um (laughs) the next (laughs) no no i managed to to you know get off into the woods but yeah i was fairly sick um for the last nine miles and just ended up trying to like drink coke and um uh Mountain dew that, those were kind of the only things I could keep in I couldn't eat anymore and so but it was it was a rough last nine miles but I you know finally got to the finish and just was so glad to get there. So my goal was to run in under 17 but that last stretch put me at 1706 and it was all good because if I'm as long as I made it it was uh, <laughs> it was worth it so
0: yeah of all the things you went through, you know, over the three years (laughs) of running Yeti and you've, you've been through a lot. How Mm -hmm. did the finish line feel? You're second overall, you were, you Mm were, you were second overall first woman, I believe second fastest time a woman's run that course. How did it feel for you at that finish line?
1: Um, it was awesome. It was just really, really fun. Um, uh, Jason was there, um, To give a big hug, and you get some rad buckles, man. Like it was just, you know, um, it was it was just a really cool cool experience. Um, I I don't know. I I feel like, like I said, I feel like it was just a dream. Um, And you know, for for me to have said it was my last hundred miler, like that was a really um, special one. For it to have been my last one and you know jason was trying to tell me that if you run it five times you get a, a quilt Yeah, <laughs> like he was trying to like you know lure me back into doing it more so uh but yeah it was just a really a great experience and i was just really happy so yeah
0: here's what's gonna happen mary because you've gone on the adventure jogger and <laughs> you said like this is my last hundred everybody this is the last one I'm putting in for the Western States Lottery, but this is my last hundred. Here is what's going to happen at the Western States Lottery: Your name is going to be the first one called.
1: Yeah, I hope. I mean, that's cool. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll do this whole thing one more time. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I've been trying to, I've been trying to get in for years, so it's fine. If that, if that's how, I, if that's how I go out, I'll take it.
0: So. <laughs> um, interestingly enough. You told me, Mary, that in a past life, you were a radio <laughs> DJ. I was,
1: yes. I actually was a television producer most of my broadcast career. But when I first started, I was a radio DJ at two two different radio stations in the Tri-City. So, yeah. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Wow. Because
0: that's what I do. Do you? What I, I know. I do, do, you, do you feel
1: scared that I'm coming for your job? I, well, you
0: probably could take it. You, you know, you, you get. You you sound a little more wise and, and less idiotic than I do. Um no, no. So, what was your radio name?
1: Well, I was just Mary. I mean, I was just an afternoon host at the. I mean, I, I was singing the other day. This is so funny. Um, I was actually thinking if I could remember how I did station IDs, you know, and I was trying to like play in my radio voice. It was so funny. And I'm just, that's such a other life for me, but it makes me laugh. Every time I hear the Goo Goo Dolls, like Black (laughs) Balloon, like I'm instantly (laughs) transported back to that little dark booth,
0: you know? I I feel like I should be switching mini discs out, you know, just like, I don't know. (laughs) So crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll do one. You can do one. Uh, we'll start with you, Mary. Okay, so "Black Balloon" by the Google Goo Dolls. Everybody, listen to this song. I probably spun that thing a thousand times myself. It's so funny because Insync yeah. Insync came out with a new song recently, and I remember introducing Insync songs and they were brand new the first time around. I was telling people like, "Hey, there's yeah. this new band called Insync, and here they are, releasing new music." All right, so take us. What was the station you were on? One of them um wqut wqut johnson, johnson city, city. yeah w- wqut what was what was the yeah. name? what was what the station was it like q108 or what was the it was a 101.5 101.5 wqut
1: yes um, yes
0: but, yes i okay. still
1: re- i think i remember the id
0: all right here we go <laughs> yeah so so give us a give us a give us an intro on the way out Black Balloon is, is is fading, is fading out and you're going into what would have been a song that came out at that time um, that'd be oh on God. that station. Uh, a Sister Hazel All For You. Look that one up too. <laughs> give it, give us your best, your best radio <laughs> DJ there, Mary. I don't know if I
1: can do that. You can. Oh I my gosh! You can. I believe you
0: can. <laughs> what did you even say, Sister Hazel? It's all For You, yeah, from Sister Hazel. Remember that one? Look that one up too folks. Black Balloon and All for You. Or how about I this? I don't know. You're going out of All for You into Black Balloon cuz you know Black Balloon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't do this. Right. Okay. All right. How about I go first? Okay, go for it. <clears throat> at the time, at the time I would have been at that time would, I'd been on 103.7 WDBR in Springfield. It would have gone something like this. Sister Hazel, all for you on 103.7 WDBR, Springfield's Hit Music Station. I'm Ryan, hanging out in the studio. It's time for a great new one from the Goo Goo Dolls. You'll find this on their album, Dizzy Up the Girl. It's Black Balloon on WDBR. Boom. (laughs) I, I'm not going to introduce the song. Okay. I
1: will do the station ID. Okay. Just because I I'll take it. I've like been thinking about it. I'll and take like it. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I stop laughing? I'm gonna try to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) And you you can actually see me. No one can see me, but I'm like red-faced in panic. It's okay. okay. You got.
0: Listen, this is not an air check. Your boss is not going to yell at you.
1: I know. You're right. You're right. Okay. (laughs) Tri Cities Classic Rock, one hundred one point five, WQUT, Johnson City,
0: Kingsport, Bristol. (laughs) Yes. I need a part timer, Mary. You're looking for some work.
1: I know, I know, I know. I know. Yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't do. I did television much longer than that. Yeah, my radio days were so fun. They were so. Fun.
0: Radio so, is more fun yeah, than television. Every person I've talked to in television. First of all they get about they get paid about the same which is nothing right like radio and TV <laughs> yeah, people like the reporter that you see on your TV yeah. they're getting paid $18,000 a year and they're expecting And they're ha- getting
1: their suits at Goodwill yes yeah, it's really yes, sad. yes. And,
0: and what's what's again not fair for for women is if you wear the same dress like multiple times, people are like, What's, why, why are you wearing the same dress? But because they pay me $20,000 a year. That's why. And that's all I can afford. Um, but yeah. yeah, with radio, nobody knows what you look like. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We're, we're all dressed like slobs. I, I mean, I'm wearing a free T-shirt that Whataburger gave me at the radio <laughs> station right now to yeah. show you. I mean, you can wear whatever yeah. you want. Um there's no pressure. You don't have to even do your hair. You can show up in a sure. ball cap. I had a guy at w- where I work. I'm a manager now, but he showed up to work in a ball cap, a sesame street shirt, and these these they were black velvet basketball shorts that went about 3 <laughs> inches above his ankle. And I'm like I'm like, "You know what? We're not asking you to dress business casual, and I'm not even sure if those are pants or shorts. They're so long." But you need to wear pants to work. Yeah, like, like, yeah. That, like that's Well, so
1: I, I wasn't a reporter. I was a producer and then oh. an executive producer. Mm-hmm. So I wrote um, what everyone on air says and so i also got to go in whatever i wanted nice. to air. because no one saw me on the air so nice. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not very like i said podcasts kind of they freak me out a little bit so being on the radio was fun but definitely when i transitioned to television there was no way anyone was gonna see me on the air <laughs> so
0: absolutely not no no, no. yeah it's funny because you said like i don't i don't know about this i never do podcasts very well i think you do podcasts fine mary i think Think you're you do a good thank interview. you i think you're a little hard thank you yourself. so much I think thank yeah, you. this was this was this was a fun chat congratulations again on yeti mary and um no matter what you decide to do in the future and you are going to get into western states that's happening mark the tape everybody mary's getting called for western states this year well
1: that would be awesome. I'll I'll take it. Yeah. So from your lips to God's ears. Maybe that'll work. So <laughs> <laughs>